Lucas, I'm really glad that you're back with me for many reasons, but I, I, I've been sitting on this piece of Arthur news, and I had to wait until you were back before we before we dive into it. Are you ready? Oh, I, I, I'm ready. I This is a surprise to me, so I'm bracing myself. So, on the ECL Discord, which is one of the Patreon perks, uh, we have somebody who has boosted the server a couple of times and who has been a very generous patron. That would be RPG Fiend. They recently were at a an event that featured Mark Brown and oh, wow. Goosebumps author R.L. Stein in uh, kind of a dual, a twin signing and uh, question and answer period. And RPG Fiend revealed that Mark Brown, this is from this is from the the author of Arthur says that there is an Arthur movie in the works that's going to take place with the characters in junior high school. Okay, now, this piece of news, first of all, you heard it here first on the Elwood City Limits podcast. This is Mm -hmm. breaking news. Someone get the Frensky star and peebs on the phone. Um, But, you know, it begs a bunch of questions. For one, will this be an animated feature? If so, will it be 3D? Will it be 2D? And then finally, will this be a made-for-TV film, or is this going to be, like, in cinemas? All good questions. I'm not mm. sure. I would I would have to imagine they would stick with the style that they have now. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the most that we have right now. And, of course, who knows what kind of development that that will, uh, that that will be facing. I'm sure, you know... Sometimes creators announce movies and things change a lot. So do not take this as confirmation that this is 100% happening. But if if Mark Brown is saying that freely, then uh, then I'd say there's at least smoke to that fire. But uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, RPG Fiend dropping the scoops. And uh, you're hearing it here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. This is Will Young, and Lucas Mancini is my co-host. Uh, Lucas, we also have, uh, <laughs> thankfully, we've had we have a few emails here. I've been letting them build up while you have been away, and uh, now that you're here, we can uh, get into them. I, I I never like to do the emails without you. I loved. I I I've been missing the people. You know, I've been traveling around for work, and uh, sometimes it gets lonely in these hotel rooms. Will so. It's it's a pleasure to talk to you, but it's also an even greater pleasure to talk to the people at large. So hit me with these emails. Let's go over to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. I do want to offer a quick apology. One of these emails I actually saved from the spam folder. Um, so if you have been emailing us and haven't been getting any response, I apologize. It may have been going to our spam filter. I will be more diligent about checking that in the future. Otherwise, I might not have gotten this email from Ashley Hollingsworth. Hey, Will and Lucas. Not sure if you got my first email, but I'm a longtime Arthur fan from Chicago. I was so happy when I found your podcast earlier this year because I didn't think there were any other people my age, I'm in my 30s, who genuinely love the show. I was always known as the person who knows way too much about the show among my friends, and I'm so glad to know I'm not alone. There's a great community of folks out there who grew up with the show and still love it, along with new people discovering the show and falling in love with it. Though I'm still pretty far behind on the podcast, I just finished season five. It has kept me sane this summer, which has been particularly rough due to one bad thing after another happening in my life. Whenever things are stressful, I love tuning in and laughing it up with you guys. It feels like I'm hanging out with my friends. It lets me escape from the stress 
stressful things in my life. Quick question. On episode 84, you and my favorite special guest, JV, start talking about the upcoming holidays. It got me thinking about Halloween which uh, is only a few months away. So, <laughs> yeah, this email is a bit, uh, like I said, saved from the spam folder. Uh, here, we're already seeing Halloween decorations in stores. Being an avid fan, I don't mind one bit. I'm starting to see more and more people online expressing their disdain at seeing jack-o'-lanterns and skeletons during summer. How do you guys feel about that? Are Halloween decorations already making an appearance over here? Lots of love from Chicago. So, uh, yeah, hard to say now that we're actually in October recording this, but, uh, yeah, I think you start to see those here around like end of August. I'm there are already decorations out all over um, Toronto at least. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure you I'm sure you're seeing like a whole bunch of uh yeah. of wild displays in the 6. Mhm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's quite terrifying in the 6. <laughs> you're uh running through the 6 with your booze. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not B-O-O-Z-E. Uh, yeah, so uh, I want to say, you know, late August, early September is the earliest you see it, and of course now that we're in Halloween, we're seeing Christmas decorations, which is one of my fa- is one of my favorite, if you pay close attention to the memes I put up on the socials, that's one of my favorite things to go to every year. I feel like I've done probably like five of those at this point, but uh, yeah, but uh, thanks for the wait there, Ashley. Sorry about... Uh, uh, almost, uh, almost flushing your email accidentally down the spam, uh, toilet, such as it is. Um, next one here is from Funith, who got right in under the line. Uh, hey, Will and Lucas, you mentioned about the music episode of Arthur, where Binky listens to an avant-garde band, where you brought up the bands that people edit in place of the original music. The one that reminds me of the most of the style of Bang on a Can All-Stars is Pink Floyd, specifically the early years before the mega-hit albums, particularly the album Umma Gumma from their early years. It's just as big, beautiful, dark, and scary in many ways. I highly recommend just for the experience of the oddness of it all. Uh, by the way, not all kids in America go to school when August ends. The children of co-workers went a few weeks before August ended. Got it. Thank you, Funith. Uh, never really got into Pink Floyd myself. What about you? Uh... That <laughs> I don't know. Well, Pink Floyd was with the kids who smoked a bunch of weed in high school. Were always mm-hmm. really into. They loved their, you know, that poster with all the girl, the naked girls. You know what I'm talking about? Their poster, yeah, uh, with all the girls <laughs> yes. with their butts out, and it's like all the Pink Floyd covers. Uh, yes, I feel like I've been in many a high school peer's bedroom. Uh, and it was always a weed guy who had one of those. <laughs> Not to say anything negative about Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd's pretty awesome, actually, if you go back. Look, huge shocker, Will. Big surprise. <laughs> I know I'm taking the really outside kind of uh, anachronistic take here, but Pink Floyd, pretty good music. Like, actually, kind of good, yes. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> low-key, low-key, it's low-key fire. <laughs> Um, and then finally, we have a second email from Ashley Hollingsworth, which came a couple of weeks after this one. Uh, hey, Will and Lucas, I've been making my way through the back catalog. Very pleased to hear your name. Hear you. Sorry. Very pleased to hear you name drop my favorite YouTuber, Peanut Butter Gamer, several times. 
I'm actually one of his Twitch mods. Since you guys are familiar with him, I wanted to recommend his latest Arthur video on controversial Arthur episodes. It's really fun and has some great jokes I think you guys would enjoy. That's actually really cool, Ashley. Um, hey, I've been trying to get Peanut Butter Gamer uh, on the show for years. If you could, I like, I know you're Twitch mod. I'm sure that you're not necessarily in contact with him, but like, if you could sneak Elwood City Limits into the conversation, and he doesn't have to come on the show, at least as as long as he knows about it, that would be that would be pretty That's cool. Right. If, if you want to dig up our old Elwood City Limits live stream where we just watched Peter Butter Gamer videos, uh, there you go. Totally, he's uh, one one of the one of the better uh, sources of Arthur video content on YouTube. So definitely check out his stuff. Also, it's officially spooky season. Do you guys have any plans to dress up this year? Are you guys fans of horror movies? If so, do you have any favorites? Thanks, guys, and happy spooky season. Uh, Lucas, you're usually the one of the two of us who has a costume ready. Yeah. Uh, anything this year? This is my lazy year. So usually, because I'm so busy with work, usually I kind of go whole hog. You know, one of my favorites was The Mime last year. Oh, yeah. Um, this year, doing something a little bit lazy, but it works because it's like a couple's costume. So if you see the both of us, it, it makes sense. So... Me and my girlfriend are going as um, Christopher uh, and Adriana from Sopranos, but it's like Christopher when he's in the neck brace for all you Sopranos fans out there. So mm. I ordered a neck brace off Amazon. Um, it'll make more <laughs> sense if I send a picture, Will, uh, uh, after we end up doing it. So, so listeners, stay tuned for that. Um, how much does a neck brace cost? Uh, a really crappy Amazon one is about $17. Oh, okay, that's not that bad. Yeah, I, I didn't know how, how much you wanted to commit. I imagine they could run you up a little bit if they're, like, the good ones. But, uh, yeah. Uh, all right, cool. I'll look forward to seeing that. Uh, no costume for me this year. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think so. Sometimes in, like, the last week, I, like, cobble together something kind of crappy. But uh, I don't have any plans to do that. Uh, I rarely leave my house. Um, horror movies, of course. Yes, we're both into horror movies. I will just... I'll say... Um, Let's let's uh you know I'm sure we could t fill a whole podcast with like our favorite horror movies and stuff like that. So like, uh, Lucas, is there one? Is there a horror movie yeah. that you've watched recently that okay, you uh, that you really I'm like? I'm glad you framed this because I have a recent recommendation. Um, I there's a bunch of really good stuff on Criterion Channel right now. Like they have a art house horror section, they have a pre code horror section. Uh, but the one that I've really started digging into is the hopping vampires of Hong Kong. So mm. it's, there's a whole, this is one of those rare things, you know, we hear so much about movies, Will, and we've read so much about movies and watch all these video essays that it's very rare that I come across a movie where I had no familiarity with it whatsoever. And it like totally blows me away. But mm -hmm. these hopping vampire movies, Will, I watched this movie, Mr. Vampire from 1985. Um, and it is everything you could possibly want from a movie like it's hilarious it's got kung fu fighting um this i so in japan or japan oh my god in china okay the vampire myth is very different right like yeah it got me thinking about how you know our vampire rules the english vampire rules they make sense because we're used to them right they they don't like garlic they have to be invited into a house can't be out in the sunshine but if you didn't have that context, it all kind of just seems like a bunch of random stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you want that experience of what that stuff feels like, you watch a Chinese vampire movie. I'm like, okay, I guess this is how these vampire rules work. They have to hop. They can't They can't walk. They have to, like, hop like a rabbit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they, the sticky rice repels them. There's all this crazy stuff. 
in these Hong Kong vampire movies. So if you're looking for a place to start, Mr. Vampire uh, is an amazing film, and I cannot recommend it enough. Mr. Vampire. Okay. Um, right before October started, I got the chance to rewatch House from 1977. That is a wild time. Definitely Great recommend movie. you check it out at least once. Like, it, it, it may not even be something that you end up liking, but just, like, see how it strikes you. It's very, very off the wall and strange, and I think everybody should see it at least once just, just to see what you think of it. Uh, and it is very horror uh at least horror adjacent, if not total horror. Um, thank you again, everybody, for your emails. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. I promise I'll check the spam filter more uh, rigidly. Um, and we also want to say thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. There have been some changes around Patreon lately, and I noticed one today when I was collecting up uh, our patrons. I see that we have some free subscribers which is a new thing now these free uh, patreon subscribers are not getting any of the content that you would get by being a patron but it seems that it's a way for people to stay abreast of what we're doing and then if they want to sign up they can so welcome and thank you to our free patreon subscribers but a more special uh, specific thank you to patrons who give us a little bit of their hard-earned cash, such as Lily W. Thank you to... Oh, I've actually thanked a lot of these people. I'm going all the way down the list here. Uh, thank you to Maria Gisselquist, to Derek Watson Jr. and Alex Koblenz. Thank you to Oscar Vest and Scott Ripley. And thank you to our newest patron, Stanley Fryman. And patrons, don't forget, you have got the latest episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which is available to you. It's Lucas and I talking about Angelina Ballerina. Yes, very appropriate for October, I know. Uh, I'll tell you about what's coming up next for November at the end of this episode. So we're talking up here as we get closer to the end of season 18. This is Arthur Reed Super Saver. And this certainly comes at a time in my life when I'm trying to save some money. So I was hoping maybe Arthur had some recommendations here in the cold open. But you know what? He's just got to lord it over me, doesn't he? Arthur finds it so easy to save money, Lucas. It's well, you just have to give up. You just have to give up a few things that you don't need. It's it's fine. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Arthur's tip to be cut out the avocado toast, but that's kind of what yeah. he hits us with. Is like uh, Arthur's like, yeah, you just got to stop buying AAA video games, and I, it's like, okay, Arthur, I stopped doing that a long time ago. They're a hundred dollars yeah. now. I don't know if you've ever checked what a AAA video game plus taxes in Canadian dollars, but it's literally you're running up above a hundred bucks for a new video game, Arthur. So I cut that out a long time ago. Um, but uh, okay, a couple of things. One, no, let's get this out of the way, Will. This is yes. not a sequel to Buster Baxter, ba Buster Baxter Cat Saver. I no, was hoping not. that this would be a continuation of the Buster Baxter Cat Saver lore. It is not. <laughs> He's just talking about saving money. And then two, you know, it starts off with Arthur acting like it's oh so easy to save money. But then things that he needs start disappearing from his room. 
Mm, yes, because I mean it, this this is the way, isn't it? It's just like, well, what do you not need? Like all of Arthur's stuff, the objects in his room. Eventually, his house disappears when he, when he's you know lording this over us. So I didn't even have to tell Arthur to shut up because the house did it for him. But uh, DW unfortunately sticks around with him. He tries to kind of say, well, I don't need a little sister. And then DW is like, no, you're never getting rid of me. We actually get a rare wah, 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 on the soundtrack when he doesn't get rid of her, which is like, huh. We almost think Arthur isn't that type of cartoon. But no cartoon is ever safe from the wah, wah, wah. This episode is about saving money. And it is a little bit on the realistic side here because Dad and Mom Reed are straight up with the kids about how Things are a little bit tighter around the Reed household lately, so they need to spend less. This comes from Arthur, who wants the money to buy the Carrot Kid, who is the sidekick of Dark Bunny, which is the first we're hearing of this. Yeah, and again, I always point this out because this was like one of the weird things in season one, Arthur, um, where the two episodes would be otherwise unrelated, but there'd be a weird side thing that connects them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the connective tissue between these two episodes is food themed dark bunny characters. Yes, yeah, vegetable even. Uh, so we got the carrot Whoa! kid and like. <laughs> Wait, vegetable. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of a yellow vegetable, not a yellow fruit. So. Uh, fruits and vegetables, not the same thing. Controversial take. Uh, sorry, that was was my bad. Uh, but you mentioned vegetables, though. Um, Mr. Mr. Reed, his catering business is slowing a little. Uh, people aren't having as many parties. Mom Reed is saying, uh, more people are doing their taxes by themselves at home. So, uh, times are tough. DW suggests that Dad Reed not serve turnip and onion burritos because she says they taste like mothballs. Turnip and onion burritos? I'd probably try it. Yeah, it sounds fire. It's turnip season, you know, with all that. We need yes. vegetables. It's turning fall. Um, sounds great. Also, quick question before we get further in the episode, Will. So what what year did this season air again? 2013, 2014, something like that. Wasn't the economy, like, doing gangbusters? It's just interesting that they decided to do a capital you know, E, the economy episode of Arthur, mm-hmm. you know, in the late stages of the Obama years. I feel like by two, 2013, we had recovered from the housing crisis. This is some 2008 or some 2023 style content. Uh, it's funny just to hear them talk about, like, food insecurity and, and tightening, tightening up your, your uh, coin purse um, when, it's one of those Arthur episodes that feels more relevant now than I it's might have been at its initial release. Uh, I, I'll correct myself. September 2015 is when this aired. So, um, yeah, by this point we are several years after the economic crisis. So it's a it is a bit strange. This did make me have a different thought. I, you're right in in terms of the environment, the climate of the United States. Uh, things weren't as bad as they were several years before this, but this did make me consider the fact that Mom and Dad Reed have had the same job since the show started. Mom is a an accountant who works from home, and I forget if she if she has her own business or like just works from home. I want to say she has her own like business, and Dad Reed is a caterer and he works from home. 
I did not realize that they, until now, that they're basically freelancers and they somehow own a house and have three kids. Like, mm. I'm a freelancer and I ain't nowhere near whoa, whoa, house whoa. money. Well, now you're a freelance writer, Will. You're not helping people with their taxes. I feel like a lot more people are uh, uh, yeah, utilizing true. that sort of freelance work. Catering, I'm not, I don't know the first thing about the catering business, so I couldn't tell you about that. No, certainly not. It, but and, and it, listen, st- I, I hear one of the hard parts of freelance work is the whole tax situation. And if there's yes. anybody who knows how to cheat the tax code, it's going to be Bob <laughs> Reed. You, you think she's cooking the books? Oh, my God. That's her whole shtick, right? I feel like if you have the <laughs> forbidden knowledge, that's what you do, right? You know that's that Mom what... Reed, she's got a bank account in the Cayman Islands, another one in Switzerland. She's she's registered <laughs> the Reed family household as an LLC so she can get a small business loan that she doesn't have to pay back. She's doing all the tricks. Man, that's why Dave that's why Dave married Jane in the first place is because if he's going to get this catering business off the ground, he's got to have some sound financial advice and hopefully get a little bit under the table in terms of money. So man, man, they got it all figured out. That also probably explains why mom and dad are way less whiny about times being tough than I am. Like if I'm having a bad financial time, everybody knows about it. But they're just like, no, it's okay. Like it's like, well, it's like work will come back, and until then, we'll just have to go without some things, such as Arthur's uh, action figure. This hits Arthur a little bit, especially because the next day, uh, Mr. Ratburn teaches the class about the Great Depression. And he even has slides to go along with it. And I have to bring this up, and 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 it was it was a bit shocking to me as well. The slides that he brings up, all of these pictures of the Great Depression are actual photographs of humans. Oh, true. What, what are the, what are those people in relation to the Arthur universe? It's funny. I had a note about this. Wow, this is some real mind-bending animal hierarchy stuff. Because yeah. I was just saying. It's kind of harrowing seeing these actual photos of the Great Depression. Um, feels like one of those classic PBS tie-ins, like when they show... Remember when they showed just an actual clip of Nova <laughs> on Arthur? Yeah, that's true. Um, that's This is not the first time. Yeah, so it feels like that, but when you really think about it, the kids are probably like, what animal is that, by the way? <laughs> like They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> What's up with these guys? Why are their ears not sticking out of the top of their head? <laughs> yeah, in, in the Arthur universe, did the Great Depression kill all the humans? Because no, because we get a dream sequence right after this that's like it takes place in the Great Depression, uh, and everyone's still an animal. So I don't know. This is some weird stuff. Will yeah, it really is. Clearly, we're not meant to be thinking about it too hard. Um, and Arthur imagines some of these scenarios with his family, such as we get an imagination of. The Reed family in the soup line. DW is upset that it's turnip and onion soup. Or Pal having to drag the family car west just as horses had to do. Uh, so this is very, this is a very concerning to Arthur that uh, times being tough means that they are about to enter the poorhouse. So he begins to go to extreme measures to save money. Uh, we, see, we see this, like a lot of this starts with Arthur turning off the lights turning off the television. For some reason, when DW is watching Mary Moo Cow, she needs a light shining directly on her face in the middle of the afternoon. I, it's, she she gets mad when Arthur turns out that light and just like, uh, did, did you really need that? You're not like reading or anything. 
anyway. Don't you want to feel like a rotisserie chicken while you're watching your stories? <laughs> like you're being interrogated by Mary Moo Cow? Um, but then they jump to more zany ways to save money, such as uh, instead of using a gas mower, because gas costs money, they try cutting the grass with safety scissors, which was which was funny. That got a laugh out of me. Uh, they also have uh, inventive ways, such as instead of using the shower, which uh, water costs money, they soap themselves up and go through the Molina's sprinklers, their next door neighbor's sprinklers, which does some of the job, but still leaves some some soap in there to be desired. And the other one that I wrote down here is that instead of using the dishwasher or water to wash the dishes, uh, Arthur gets Pal to lick the dishes clean, which, uh, okay. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I miss, after after in the interview that we recently had uh, with Echo is a Band and the um, about the Arthur meme video, uh, I really miss cute pal, and there's some cute pal in this, especially when Arthur is reading by flashlight later, and pal jumps up on the bed and sleeps at his feet, just like, we have so much talking pal that I just miss normal pal, and it's just very refreshing seeing him be cute. Uh, this is where we get the super saver part of this whole thing. Um, so Arthur has a dream that night that specifically DW is the one who is bleeding the family dry. Like there is a comical pile of bills that are all like DW is um, is demanding that they buy her even more presents. And mom and dad get to put on that that really theatrical voice that they do in the kids imaginations where it's just like, oh, if only we didn't have to buy so many presents for DW. But in the dream, Arthur is the costume superhero super saver with his <laughs> dog sidekick named Scrimp. Uh, so super saver vacuums up the bills and then leaves them with a book called 101 Ways to Save Money. And even super saver is like, don't let DW bleed you dry and then flies away. What I like about this. Um, well, first of all, it's just so ridiculous um, like bills as a concept are really ephemeral. Like they have more bills than like a human being could conceivably accrue. Like even if you take it to like heat, property taxes, uh, uh, water, uh, power, uh, car insurance, um, car payment, uh, loan, mortgage. That's still only like 10 or 11 things. There's thousands of bills in this pile. Uh, so that's really funny. Also, the fact that Super Saver just kind of sucks them up into a vacuum and that eliminates the debt. I don't think that's how that works. Um, no, I wish. I wish. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, Will, we could all these days use a visit from Super Saver. It's a good idea for a superhero. Um, probably more pa practical than guys like the Punisher. You know what I mean? I don't really need the <laughs> Punisher in my neighborhood sh indiscriminately shooting hoods, so to speak. I'd much rather Super Saver just pay off some of my debt. That sounds like, that sounds awesome. That would be like, I'd be like, wow, this is the best superhero ever. We got to put up a statue of this guy going around paying <laughs> people's debt. So that was just the thought was like, man, I wish Super Saver was real. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's the superhero I would look for in the skies. Uh, you're absolutely right. So after this dream, uh, Arthur's parents uh, 
feel that he is beginning to take this a bit too hard. So they reassure him that everything's okay. Like, they're not going to end up, you know, on the soup line or anything like that, but that, they, but that they can all come up with practical ways to save money. And these can be taken uh, for, you know, those of you at home perhaps as well. Such as, instead of using a gas mower, using a push mower, which... My, I was lucky that I had a very small backyard when I was living at home, and so I used a push mower for many years. It is harder work, but it is also easier to clean, and I find it easier to manage. So in some situations, I actually prefer a push mower. Wow. I, you know, this is what makes this show so great, Will, is that often we disagree. Uh, I would, if I never had to use a push mower again as long as I live, it would be too soon. I hate using those things. So different strokes for different folks. Fair enough. Like I said, I didn't have a lot of lawn to mow, so I can see that it could get a little bit silly if you're doing, like, front lawn, back lawn, or if you have, like, one of those, you know, uh, spacious lawns, the ones mm. that, like, have their own hills and stuff. And that A lot of, case, lot of incline. Not necessarily yeah. spacious, but a lot of weird inclines on my parents' lawn. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, in that case, <laughs> I totally get it. Um, the use of coupons, of course. And getting vegetables from Buster's Community Garden, which I'm always glad to see is still a thing. Buster also has a uh, piece of advice that he ha- he gives twice in this episode, which is never teach a pig to fish. And he never elaborates on that. It's just Buster kind of being silly. Right, right. He uh, says it's because cause the parents keep saying times are tough, which yes. is what induced this anxiety in Arthur in the first place. And Buster says... <laughs> that's just something parents say, like never teach a pig to fish. So you get the sense that Buster's not actually gleaning the meaning of never teach a pig to fish, which is that, you know, you shouldn't try and force someone to do something they're not good at. They, you should, you know, focus on their inherent talents. Uh, but I think Buster thinks it's literal or something. Like, I think Buster doesn't understand what he's talking about. Okay. I, I, I just figured it was that that's not a saying. Because I'm I'm trying to glean a meaning from because I've never heard never teach a pig to fish. To me, it sounds like like it almost sounds like um like negative advice of like don't teach something that's meant to do one thing how to do something else, or else it'll have one over on you. Like I I don't know. I, I, I no I I think it's like um you know when people say like oh you know people fail at school because. You can't teach a fish to climb a tree. It's saying that, like, you shouldn't, uh, uh, if someone's having a tough time with something, it may just be that they're good at other things. And so you shouldn't try and focus on the things that you're not good at. But I guess maybe we don't know. Let's see. Let's see if this, this exists or if it's something Buster came up with. But this, but this but this is also, it's, it says, like, never teach a pig to fish. Not like you can't or you shouldn't. It's just, like, never. Like that Giant Bomb video. Never. Never. Okay, so never teach a pig to fish is not a thing, but there mm. there is a famous Mark Twain co- quote, which is never try to teach a pig to sing. Okay, D- is there a meaning behind that one with where you're looking this up? Like, do they supply one? Uh, teaching a pig to sing is a futile task that abrogates. Let's look up. Oh, my favorite <laughs> source, Urban Dictionary. Of course. Uh. Usually applied to someone that has a character flaw or an annoying habit, they will never change simply because they aren't able to. Oh, okay. never, the full quote is, never try to teach a pig to sing. It wastes your time and annoys the pig. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. I I, I get that. All right. Um, 
And this leads us to the end of the episode where Arthur, after doing a bit of saving, gets enough allowance money to buy the Dark Bunny toy, and his parents give him a little extra because of all the saving he's been helping to do. He goes to the toy store, but on the uh, on a table outside of the toy store, there is a little boy there with a charity called Families in Need, and Arthur ends up donating his allowance, which is a nice thing to teach, but Arthur, I want you to be a bit more discerning with the charities that you give to. The kid doesn't have a lot of explanation as to what this is. They're just like, we're helping families in need. Anything helps. And I'm like, how? What are, like, what are you doing? How? Where is my money going to? Just with all the charities we have that are like, to fund research or like fund initiatives. I'm like, I really want the charities I donate to to be very transparent about how the money is being used. Um, yeah, so, so I like I like this. Well, the this kid is like swindling Arthur. <laughs> the family in need is him, and the need is, you know, only the finest caviar and you know a, a fresh a fresh Gucci suit. It's always, I mean, uh, the, there's always the possibility. I mean, this kid's set up outside the toy store, so if like that might not be a scam itself, but like he knows what he's doing. You know, mm. he like he knows exactly where the heat's at. So that's at least a that's at least a good like looking out for that. And we end off the episode with Arthur and DW still showering under the Molina's sprinklers. So they're still doing that. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Cassie's third grade class are playing a bartering game, which I think I also did in elementary at one point, like maybe fourth or fifth grade. Um, we, we like, figured out what bartering was, even though I don't know if I've ever, like, really bartered in my in my life for, like, goods, you know? Well, technically, we're all bartering, you know, using our Canadian dollars, and I think that's yeah. what this is trying to explain, is the basics of supply and demand, um, and with that being said, I never did this in elementary school, but I think this is actually a really interesting exercise. I was like, oh, what a useful teaching tool, because, you know, you know as well as I will that sometimes economics could get a little cerebral and a little yes. bit obtuse uh, that makes it hard for us common folk to understand. Um, and so I thought this was a really, you know, engaging way to introduce the concept to these elementary school students. I was like, oh, they all have villages and they got to like trade with each other. Seems like a fun way to learn, <laughs> which yeah. is not usually something I come away from these uh, <laughs> a word from us kids thinking. So, uh, yeah, no, totally. It's it's there's four groups and they're all given different goods. So, you know, uh, sheep chickens wood water and they have to trade and they're given different like scenarios so like winter is coming or in one case later that's like your water it's like you lose some of your water because it's infested with bugs and there's a little girl who looks really upset that that happened this is it's like it's one step away from settlers of Catan, which is how you would build up to this just like if you had like seventh graders or something then's a good time to start playing Catan. Uh, I really liked how they showed a trade happening. I forget exactly what the trade was for, but like one side got way better than the other one. And the side that got hosed had a kid saying directly to camera, that was not a fair trade. We are not happy. <laughs> well, they say a true compromise will is when no one's happy. So those mm-hmm. kids definitely get, they got the short end of that bill. Yeah, for sure. 
Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Instagram, at at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be read on the show. Limits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content, including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Limits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening. And now, back to the show. And now, back to Roger. And uh, just an episode after our uh, Tibble expert was here, we get another Tibble episode with Tibbles to the rescue. So, yes, I, I, I said earlier, uh, vegetable, yeah, totally wrong. I was thinking of corn for some reason, but no. The cold open of this is Dark Bunny chasing down the villain Banano Mano Man. And it is a it is a large anthropomorphic banana that with uses banana peels to yeah yes with one eyeball that uh, trips up Dark Bunny with uh, with banana peels. Um, Dark Bunny once you know it was introduced many many seasons ago, and the joke is is that it's like Batman the animated series. He is a Batman character. I found that the Dark Bunny style doesn't translate as well to this new uh, format. I feel like he moves a bit more stiffly than he did when it was hand-drawn. And it just looks like... It's like if you tried... Um, or it, it, if you ever played the Arkham games, they have the skin where you can be Batman from the animated series, but Batman from the animated series is never meant to move as fluidly as a video game, and it just kind of looks weird. Looks, like, wrong somehow. Well, so, also, it's... Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, the thing that the... Flash animation is less good at doing is sometimes they can get a little bit lazy with the framing, right? And they look like puppets on a stage and the camera's just kind of like, like in this Dark Bunny interaction, we're kind of going to shot reverse shot with Dark Bunny and then the banana and then a shot of a more zoomed out shot of Dark Bunny talking to the gorilla with a banana. And the old Dark Bunny segments in the hand-drawn era, they were trying to replicate the, as you know, Will, the great animation of batman the animated series which is so stylish and one of the things that is so stylish about it is that it's almost impressionistic right the camera is always on these really weird angles kind of these like dutch angles to emphasize the drama of everything there's always these kind of dramatic shadows so it's not just the movement of the animation it's you know camera placement things are less cinematic that sort of thing i will say though banana rama man throw away banana man oh man Banana Mano Man. Banana, yeah, B-Man, as I call him. B-Man. By and large, the throwaway character of the week. Easily. Easily. I love this guy. I want to see more from him. I don't know what it is about him that I'm so taken by, but I never thought of a one-eyed banana with arms and legs before. He's great. He looks great. I wish he was a running character. <laughs> and also, his, his I mean, this ends up being a, a nightmare, like a Tibbles... We get the kind of a nightmare in the the figment of the Tibbles' imagination. Um, the final fate of the Banana Man 
is pretty morbid, actually, what ends up happening to him. I was like, what? damn, yeah. Dark Buddy did him dirty. Uh, Dark Buddy takes out a... Sh- Banana Man basically is about to get eaten by a gorilla. Uh, because they're at, because funny. they're at the zoo. Yeah, they're at the zoo. And uh, Dark Buddy saves him, and then Banana Man uh, pledges to help Dark Buddy forevermore fight crime. He's going to forego his uh, you know criminal lifestyle. And then Dark Buddy takes out a shrink ray and shrinks him and has him on his utility belt. And that's like, I don't know, something kind of kind of sad about that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know why it's so off-putting to me. Especially considering that Banana Mano Man was, like, surrendering. He was like, I promise I won't be evil anymore. And then Dark Bunny's like, eh, well, blah, blammo with the shrink ray. It's like, damn, man, you can't just let him live uh, the way he's meant to? This unholy banana man of man. Uh, so this, yeah, like you said, turns out to be a dream by the Tibbles who wake up at the same time. Uh, they're like the McManus brothers. They both like start awake and they have their new purpose. Uh, it's a dream by the Tibbles. But then this turns out to be a dream because they find themselves, much like Banana Man Man, latched onto DW's belt. Oh, and then and that turns even, out to be a dream. This is even more frightening. Yeah, classic <laughs> dream within a dream fake out. Um, but this is just, I don't know, maybe it's the idea of being really small that's freaking me out about all this. But mm. something about it is just not right. So they are imagining themselves as tiny and in DW's control. This episode has to do with DW is playing with Emily and the Tibbles are in a nearby tree getting ready to throw water balloons at them. But then they start arguing. And DW has a wagon of stuffed animals that she has under the tree. And the Tibbles fall. And they uh, fall onto the stuffed animals. So DW inadvertently saves them. They both throw water balloons at her. But then they start to feel kind of strange. They feel like that wasn't so much fun anymore. And, in fact, after this, they are bedridden at home in the middle of the afternoon because they're beginning to develop empathy. And I just I just love that empathy registers in the Tibbles like a sickness. They, like, don't understand what it means to feel bad for someone, and so they think that they're sick. I think that's a very good bit, these malevolent little children. So, after talking with, Grant, with uh, Mrs. Tibble... They decide that they need to pay back DW for rescuing them, which essentially means following her around and looking for opportunities that may be dangerous. But every time they try to help her or save her, they end up either hurting or inconveniencing her, much to DW's continuing frustration. Like, they they follow her around. I noticed here, they spy on her in an ice cream shop. She's with Emily. And what I'm guessing is Emily's babysitter, but this character looks a bit different. It's either uh, one of our favorite side characters, Marie-Hélène. So either Marie-Hélène colored her hair or she got fired by Emily's parents. And this is a new all pair. So I don't know. I'm I'm glad uh, that Marie-Hélène is back. That's all I have to say about this. If that is her, I I, I want to hear from her. I don't just I don't just want to see her. Well, why did she why did she dye her hair? If that is her, we see Visita. Visita actually gets a couple of lines here. She is serving what looks to be lemonade to DW, but it's green, and the Tibbles think that it's poison. But it actually turns out to be an avocado and banana smoothie, which is good because I was looking at this and I was like, okay, so it's not lemonade, 
but it's green and it's like kind of like thick. And I'm like, is it supposed to be like that? If this is like a, another type of juice, I was trying to think of like green juice, but avocado and banana smoothie, totally fine. In fact, good, very good for you. Uh, I did laugh. There's a moment where the Tibbles are disguised in the sandbox and they're just like pretending to just completely be covered by sand and then their eyes pop out and they save DW from something. So DW is getting incredibly frustrated. The Tibbles aren't getting it and Emily tells them straight up to just leave DW alone. That's the best thing they can do. They're back in bed at home and Mrs. Tibble is again kind of sort of giving them advice. She doesn't really know what's going on. But she mentions that something that seems to apply where a time that she was making croquembouche, and I had to look this up because I, I was like, because of course there's like the croque monsieur, which is a sandwich, but I'd never heard of this before. And we do see it later. She talks about making croquembouche, which is a French dessert of pastry puffs that are piled into a cone and bound together with threads of caramel. Oh. I've I've seen these before in like cartoons and stuff and like in oh, movies, yeah? but I've never known what it was called, and I've certainly never had it in real life. But this thing looks divine. Sure, no, it sounds really good. And Mrs. Tibble says that it, it was like really difficult to make the first time, but it was, but it was worth it. So the Tibbles decide to go for a difficult ploy here. A div- they devise a new plan to rescue D.W. The plan is that while DW is at the playground, they're going to put her Mary Moo Cow doll at the top of the big kid monkey bars. They also, we see a montage of them devising traps. Speaking of Saw X is in theaters, and this is uh, at least a little adjacent here. They put traps all around the monkey bars so that DW can't get to it, and they will be the ones to save her Mary Moo Cow doll. They do this also while disguised as Mom Reed, but their disguise is interesting. <laughs> is, is is definitely of interest because it's it's one on top of the other shoulders. They have like a like a like a blanket kind of covering their bodies. They've painted a bucket to vaguely resemble Mom Reed and the top half of her head, and then put like a mop on top of it to resemble hair. And then they both speak at the same time. Which is like, I don't know what kind of effect they're going for here. Um, it, it, it is pretty funny. And they even say like, hi, DW, it's your mom, Mrs. Reed. Them like, both speaking at the same time. You know, we're recording this, Will, on Friday the 13th. So mm. I'm ready for chills and thrills and scares and all that jazz. And I think this was our Friday the 13th fright right here. Uh, there's something really creepy about them talking at the same, them like harmonizing their speech. Yeah, it's a real, like, Mekashiva thing. So it was funny, but also, like, especially with their weird, like, Google, like, big eyes, it is creepy. Um, also here, DW makes ex- explicit reference. She brought along a couple of her stuffed animals to keep guard, including Sharky. We haven't seen Sharky since the first season. Yeah, listen, I'm happy to hear from Sharky, you know, a million times better than whatever Bud's friggin' dinosaur is called. Um... Sharky, a legendary first season episode of Arthur. I, again, it's just really cool that the creators are were still thinking of this stuff. They were drawing back on old, old Arthur canon. So I was very pleasantly surprised here. 
DW easily circumvents this whole thing. She walks around the traps and uses like a rake that she's supposed to step on to get Mary Moo Cow. The Tibbles get very upset about this, but they end up getting themselves trapped by hanging on to the big kid monkey bars and are saved by DW again because they land on Sharky, which now, again, DW is still uh, in their, or they are still in DW's seeming debt, so she's never going to be free of them. So the episode ends with the Tibbles coming to her house. They give DW a croquembush, and again, sorry for that pronunciation, even I don't like that, and they promise not to bother her for a week. But DW instead says, only a week, and they and they have a, a food fight instead. She starts a food fight with them, so that's what she'd prefer them to be doing. And it, it, this was also interesting because I was picturing, like, a croquembouche to be, like, big, bigger than this. When they said, like, French pastries, okay. I was thinking, what, what do you call them? Um, uh, macarons or something. Like, something that size piled on top of each other. So they are bigger than that, though. That's that's oh. that's kind of like an error on the animation. Like I'm looking at pictures of Crokenbush on Google Images, and they it, it's exactly as you predicted. They're like Ferrero Rocher sized. Well, yeah. Um, so I was actually just going to make a note that the the Crokenbush that the Tibbles give DW is weirdly small. Hmm. And when they're throwing it, it almost sounds like it was like it's weirdly like hard and dinky it almost sounds like they made it it looks like they made it out of like corn pops or something which could be interesting but it's not exactly you know what i was what i was picturing all right that's our arthur episode for today uh let's go on back here arthur reed super saver lucas um what did you think of this one uh you know it's funny this episode is pretty after school especially like it's pretty straightforward with yeah. its moral and and trying to educate kids about what parents mean when they they're stressed out by money, um, and usually we're pretty critical of those episodes because one of the things that we always praise Arthur for is kind of avoiding that kind of after school special style moralizing and taking a more nuanced take with educating kids about different morals. That being said, as straightforward as this episode is, I weirdly really enjoyed it. Like, I, mm. I, I, maybe it's because something like the economy has so much gravity to it. Like, it's a pretty serious topic, and so it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to watch Arthur kind of try and uh, tackle it with brevity, despite having pictures of the actual Great Depression and starving people in soup lines. So, um, I, I weirdly enjoyed it, and I was. Um, it, 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 you know, it has the benefit of nothing's ever too dire for Arthur and his family. Like you can tell by Arthur and his family's house that they're pretty upper middle class. Um, so the economy is never touching them that roughly. Uh, it would be maybe interesting if we ever tackle this subject again to see how some of the other kids' household would deal with a similar situation. Cause as we always talk about, you know, Buster, for instance, lives in a single parent household and he lives in an apartment, um, Francine has to share a room with her sister because they live in an apartment. So they're obviously in different socioeconomic strata than the Reed family. So it would be interesting to see how, you know, penny pinching and that kind of practices, how it would look different for families with different economic backgrounds. All that being said, I, I weirdly enjoyed this episode. And um, the dream sequence with both dream sequences, the one with Super Saver, the ones where the, the Reed family's in the soup kitchen because and, and, and it's all because of DW and her overspending. That stuff was pretty funny. 
I agree. I liked this too. Maybe even a little bit more than you did. I I I know what you mean when talking about like the more like as you said after school special episodes of Arthur. I felt like this didn't quite get to to that and I also think that it's quite novel to have a children's show talk about finances because that is something that is potentially something that your audience can begin to get their head around and I think it is important to let kids know where like how things happen it's it can be hard to kind of picture that stuff as uh as a young as a young child so you know it's not completely going to take but it is I think it is good to know and to have the parents be like yeah sometimes we're not doing as well as other times but we're still okay um obviously this would be different if we had it from a different character's perspective like um like Buster and his mom who uh you know Bitsy has like a a desk job as a as a reporter so pretty stable employment there uh, you know, within the notoriously stable journalism industry, but they live in an apartment, so their reality looks different from Arthur's, who looks different from somebody who might be on the lower end of the financial spectrum. So I thought this was a neat way to look at it. Um, I did think a lot of it was quite funny, and I did enjoy that. And uh, yeah, I was I was, I was taken by how kind of novel this was in terms of the types of issues that Arthur tackles, and it was done in a very positive and non-stressful way, which I which I liked. Uh, yeah, uh, Tibbles to the rescue, a little bit, a little bit heavy on the Tibbles this season. Usually one, and I'm good, but this was this was all right. Uh, you know, I didn't love it or anything, but. It's an interesting idea. I I think I'm just I really am enamored with the whole thing of like the Tibbles getting sick because they're realizing that making people feel bad makes them feel bad. <laughs> and I, I I think that's the high point of the episode for me. It it did get to be a little bit like just um all about the kind of gags and setups, which you know, we're we're fine. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I got my laugh, I got my yucks out of this, and it was it, it was fine. I I think that I d- I don't have quite the reaction to Tibble stories as I do to others because we often end up learning a bit more about them than we even think that we will. And I, this was another case of like, oh okay, they are just slower at developing empathy for other people. <laughs> than other kids which at least they're learning it at all they're not turning out to be like uh little psychopaths or something yeah i i pretty much agree with you i thought it was a little bit more scattershot um not necessarily in a bad way it doesn't really add up to a cohesive whole but the bits are good really solid bits i will say that for me the high points of the episode are kind of the bookends right the opening with dark bunny and um, could you say his name again, Will? Because I, it's just, it's so weird. Banana Mango, Banana Mano Man? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Banana Mano Man. Banana Mano Man. Uh, yeah, now entered in the throwaway character Hall of Fame. Uh, and then the weird, you know, dream within a dream and the Tibbles being tiny. To the, pretty much the great kind of ending sequence where the Tibbles are pretending to be Mrs. Reed. Uh, and they're holding Mary Moo Cow hostage. All that stuff is great. So bookended by these two great sequences and a kind of a little bit over all over the place in between, but not unenjoyable or poorly executed. Well, Lucas, it's great to have you back for Elwood City Limits. Um, of course, we all wish you uh, best of travels as you continue on your way. A um, couple things here as we end off this episode. Um, 
I mentioned earlier about Patreon a couple of times, patreon.com slash Limits. Uh, beginning of November, after spooky season, we're going to be having our next episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, because we did double on ECL Origins, so we're doing double on this one, too, before we end off the year. And one of the titles that we have been requested for a couple of times, there's a, there's a couple of shows left that were given multiple recommendations. I think this one looks quite interesting. It's one that I have no experience with. Um, Lucas, I don't know about you. It is a very recent show. We're going to be talking about Let's Go Luna, which has... Uh, as, as, as I'm to understand it, I've only done a cursory look at it so far, but there's a bit of a Nickelodeon connection to this one. So I'm really interested to find out more and to take a look at it because I think, you know, Angelina Ballerina, if you listen to the episode, we were, we, at the end of it, we're just like, all right, maybe not so British next time. And this is definitely ah. coming in, in more American. Listen, I gotta uh, say, if you folks don't subscribe to the Patreon um, I actually think the Angelina Ballerina episode of For the Kids is the best one we've done in a while. It's, it was pretty. I'm, I'm laughing just even thinking about it. I was, <laughs> I was, as they say, on some other ish that day. So uh, I recommend you looking, <laughs> listening. Listen, that was definitely one where it was like this is behind the paywall, so we're gonna really let loose yeah. on old Angelina Ballerina. So high recommend and excited to check out. Let's go, Luna. Yeah, it was. we were in a silly, goofy mood that day, and I think it translated to a really fun episode, so you can check that out for as little as a dollar a month, and you've got Let's Go Luna coming up in, uh, in a couple of weeks' time from now. I also want to mention, I am going to be uh, guesting on a podcast Sunday, October 15th. I believe it is going to be premiering live on YouTube, and you'll be able to check it out after in audio and video form. The podcast is called Trivial Debates. I'll be putting stuff up about it on the uh, on our social media this weekend, and I'll let you know when the YouTube link is out there. Uh, it's going to be me on camera talking about horror movies. So trivial debates. I'll be on the episode coming up on Sunday, October 15th. Uh, if you're listening on the Patreon, get ready for that on Sunday. If you're listening on the free feed, this is already out. So we have probably put the link on social media. Go ahead and find it and check it out. I'm really excited to do that. And then next time on Elwood City Limits, as we creep closer to the end of Season 18, we're going to be talking about the pageant pickle and some assembly required. So uh, wherever you are in the Halloween season, we hope you're enjoying it. We hope that you're watching horror movies uh, or, you know, doing... There's lots of other stuff. Why can't I think of other stuff to do during making cookies? Bobbing for apples. (laughs) Do people people really bob for apples anymore, though? Seems kind of unsanitary. uh, Have you ever bobbed for apples? I think once when I was a kid. Mm. Um, listen, surely someone out there is. Bo- listen, if you're bobbing for apples, let us know. Elwood City Limits, the email address. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Someone's got to be bobbing for apples. Sure. I would, I, would, I would like to hear that, actually. But thanks a lot for joining us. We'll be back with you very soon. Uh, my name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. Don't worry. Luckily, I'm fluent in gorilla sign language. (laughs) We'll see you next time.